I'm Andrea. And I'm Nicole. And we're here to bring you real stories from entrepreneurs. Tune in weekly to hear stories of entrepreneurs from all levels of success at different stages in their journey. From trials to triumphs, hear their details and feel in community with fellow dreamers and doers. You're listening to The Real Stories of Entrepreneurs. Hey y'all, thanks for joining us today. Today we are lucky enough to have Dr. Kristen Eccleston, the neurodiverse teacher, uh, join us here. Uh, We had the privilege of being on the blocks with Kristen and her story is just amazing, which I will let her tell. So Kristen, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what your business is? Absolutely. Well, first off, thanks for having me guys. I'm really happy to be here. And my business is education consulting, which in those terms is really broad. So I'll dive a little bit deeper into what that means for me and kind of how I got here. I uh, started off as a special education teacher for years, uh, close to 15 years. I was a special ed teacher. I've loved being a special ed teacher. And then towards the end of my career, I had the opportunity to create a special education program specifically for students with mental health needs. And I found that there was such a significant need for it that I wanted to understand why there was such a significant need for it. So I went back and got my doctorate specifically looking at mental health in the education setting. And through a whole bunch of life circumstances, as we I'm sure everybody can relate to, um, that all happened around the time of the pandemic. So it wasn't even just the pandemic. It was like my mom had throat cancer. It was issues at at work. It was like a whole bunch of different things. Um, it was kind of the universe's way of saying, hey, I think you need to shift gears a little bit. And I had never had any intentions of becoming an entrepreneur or starting my own business. I was very happy being a, a special education teacher. And that's kind of what I saw as my path. But As I said, life kind of jumped up at me and I had to take a leap of faith. And it was a really, really scary leap of faith. I I knew I had some people out there who were rooting for me, who wanted to pick me up. But, you know, when you're looking at, okay, am I going to give up my insurance and go to my husband's insurance, which isn't bad, but not as great as mine? Or, you know, am I going to make the same amount of money or at least more because you don't want to make these huge life decisions that are going to mess up everybody else's life in your family? So, It was a really, really scary decision that I made and I left and I started Eccleston Education Consulting and I was doing a lot of contract jobs essentially in learning design, um, working with some ed tech companies and one company that had kind of been looking for me, which was Weinfeld Education Group, had contracted me to be an education advocate. And that was working specifically with students and families that had different needs and felt like the education setting wasn't hearing from them. And I started doing that. And within a year, I'm partner there. I have my own division there. But I wanted to continue to kind of grow my identity and my brand. So I I love doing my advocacy work, but I still wanted to be a brand, which was the Neurodiverse Teacher, which I created. And that is really starting to focus on Instead of just one student at a time in the education setting, starting to work on discussing mental health and neurodiversity and neurodiversity is an all encompassing term for ADHD, autism, sensory processing disorder, anyone who kind of falls into that category and and how that relates to mental health and how that can be impactful in the work setting, but also starting to create other programs like the one I created when I was a school teacher 
for districts across the country that specifically focus on student mental health since it is a major crisis that we're currently facing. And so I'm kind of in the thick of that right now. I'm, I'm a year, year and a half into my entrepreneur journey. Um, so I'm really excited. I've got some solid things. I still do some contract work. You know, I, I'm, I'm a partner at an education firm, but now I'm really trying to focus on building up that other piece, that, that, that corporate piece, that district uh, nationwide piece for schools. So I'm still very much in the thick of things. I feel like there are not enough of me and that I could use four of me and I need more hours in the day to get everything done that I'd like to get done. Well, that sounds really familiar. (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) That's awesome. So talk to us a little bit about what from here looks like, like your journey to here has been amazing, but of course we're, we're talking in the mid to the beginning of your journey. So what is, what are some, what are some goals you have? That's a great question. So right now I I'm really solid in kind of my advocacy work. I was really fortunate that I was kind of absorbed by that, that firm that I'm a partner at. And I'm really grateful for that, but I still see that as part of my entrepreneur journey. You know, I'm, I'm a partner at an established place, but I still have, it's a business that I obviously want to do well because I have an investment there and I want to help kind of build that up. So I I feel like I've got a little bit of me over there trying to work on that. And then a little bit of me is really trying to network. I feel like right now is that big networking stage. It's, you know, it's almost like breaking into acting kind of thing. You're trying to get your foot in the door and you've got to find the right connection to allow you to get that foot in the door. So right now, a lot of what I'm trying to do is build up my materials. And one of the hardest things that I feel like I'm trying to overcome is, I don't know if you guys get stuck in this, but I get stuck in this. I have to have everything lined up and it has to be perfect before I release it into the world, right? Like I have to have my entire speech planned out. All of my slides have to be ready to go. Like I have to have everything before I feel like I can reach out to someone. And I'm working really hard to let go of that notion right now and be like, no, I need to just start putting myself out there and continuing to work on the things because probably by the time I make anything happen, you know, then I'll be ready or being incredibly ADHD like I am, it'll give me that fire that I need to get my other things done because I constantly back burner a lot of my stuff when everything else gets crazy. And then I feel like that's what makes me lose sometimes that momentum that you need to still feel like that fires in your belly and that you want to get out there and you want to get stuff done. Because that was my biggest thing when we left the blocks is I, we spent, what, five days just focused on our business and you left there with all this fire in your belly. Like, I'm going to go home and I'm going to get this done and I'm going to do this and I'm going to I'm going to conquer this. And then you get home and you do or you come home with covid and um, <laughs> and a little bit of your momentum leaves. But either way, like you feel like, OK, I'm going to get all this stuff done. And then life, because you're no longer just five days of just dedicated to your business, you know, children, husband, sports, other business things all start to flood in and it's, you're still excited, but the momentum starts to slow and then you back burner. And, and that's my biggest challenge right now is kind of reminding myself, like, I've got to keep the momentum, even if it's just something small every single day so that it's at least feeling like I'm putting one step in front of the other. So that's kind of where I'm at right now is that one step uh, in front of the other. I, you know, I'm, I feel like this is a journey. It's a marathon. Do you know what I mean? Not a sprint. And I'm just trying to pace myself and know that as long as I kind of keep the good spirit, like I'm going to get where I want to go as long as I keep putting one foot in front of the other. 
So where you're saying like everything has to be lined up, it has to be perfect. I can't go unless if it's like ready, you know? How are you adjusting that now? Like you said that you're working to kind of let go of that, which I get like in the ADHD sense and sometimes like people's brains, mine's wired the same way. Oh, Nicole, you just gotta do it. You just gotta do it. No matter how bad it looks, you just gotta do it. But in my mind, I'm like, oh no, this is horrible. Like I can't do this. But so how are you letting go of that feeling? I think the first part was I've had a lot of people who have had this conversation with, I'm working on like a speaker workshop right now. I had a guest on my podcast too. It's like one day, one thing at a time. Like he's, he really promoted this. Even if you were trying to get healthy and you were like, Oh, I've got to, I've got to exercise for 30 minutes. He's like, no, do 10 minutes. Like, cause at least you did something. And so I've, I've been fortunate enough lately that maybe this is the universe's way of giving me this message of like, it doesn't have to be perfect, Kristen, because I definitely with my ADHD, there's that perfectionism that kicks in. And if anybody's listening, who's ADHD totally gets what what that is. But I've also just felt like, okay, I've got to let go of it and maybe even use it as a motivating factor that if I just start doing the networking and start doing the reaching out and start trying to lay the groundwork for putting myself out there to ultimately obtain what I want, which is clients and and contracts and those different things if i start working on that then that will help push me to get the other things in in place because a lot of what I've, i'm working on that i feel like i have to get up and going is one thing i want to do is workshops with businesses where i come in and i explain the power of having neurodiverse employees and what does it mean to have neurodiverse employees and and why is it special to have neurodiverse employees? And then but one of the biggest things I like to hit on is what is it going to cost your company if you constantly have high rates of turnover? What is it going to cost your company if people don't feel satisfied or doing this quiet quitting or doing this act your wage type of thing? Like, what does that mean? So how do you help your employees feel this value and so that they want to show up every day at work and, and give you their best? So I'm working on my my training materials essentially for that. And in my mind, right, it's like those training materials have to be done and perfected before I even start reaching out to people about wanting to come in and deliver this to them. And that's a little bit of what I'm trying to let go. Because I'm also trying to be realistic in the sense of the first time I ever deliver this, even if I got it to perfectionism in my mind, right, I'm going to go, oh, no, I got to fix all of this. Because once you're actually live delivering it, so this is going to be a training that I'm going to constantly be changing anyways. So I might as well start laying the foundation of trying to find those clients, trying to get myself the mode, okay, I got to get this done now this weekend or tonight because I now do actually have a client who's ready for me to go. But I feel like it's so easy for us to back burner or let go of some of our goals or ambitions if we're constantly trying to seek that perfectionism before we actually put ourselves into those positions. So I think a lot of it is just mindset and almost having to like unwire some of how I've been wired for so long. And I think, I don't know about you guys, but I think a lot of us with ADHD have a little bit of rejection sensitivity as well. It's a thing, rejection sensitivity dysphoria. And I think that perfectionism comes like we're so afraid of disappointing anyone or it not being our best work. When I think if we just know that this is our best work and we're the experts in what we're doing and we really put ourselves out there, there's a little bit of having to believe in yourself. And so there's a little bit of inner work that's going along with all of the the other things as well too. But I think that's just part of the entrepreneur journey in all 
in all honesty too. A thousand percent. I completely agree with, like, I literally just want to take that little clip of everything you just said for the last 30 <laughs> seconds and post it on every social media platform. So everyone can hear that because it's, it's, it's so true. Kind of on that note, I was curious what your thoughts were on. So those of us who are entrepreneurs with, you know, adult ADHD or whatever that looks like, don't you think that for those of us that go to professional development conferences or personal development conferences, and we have that submersive experience that we just talked about, like we had on the blocks where you're, you're surrounded by people, like-minded people, you're all consumed by the content that you're taking in. And you know, it, you're on that high, that fire in your belly, and then you come home and reality smacks you in the face, right? The kids still need fed, you know, spouses still need attention, dogs still need let out. And all of a sudden, what was your number one priority for those four or five days you're at this conference have now been knocked down. Do you ever feel like those of us who fit into this category struggle a little bit more with getting defeated by that? Meaning that you were so focused for five days and now you're coming back and you need to focus on 20 things, not one thing. And it, I don't, I always say it feels like I'm treading water. Like it feels like I can't, it feels like I was great and now I can't catch up. And I know there's more people that feel this way, but do you think we struggle with that on a different level than someone who isn't so hyper-focused? Like it's almost like that defeat mentality. You're like so ready to go, but then real life, it just kicks you in the face and you're like, I can't, like, I want to do this, but then you almost feel more defeated because you're like, I know I should do this, but I put this in front of this. I think there's two things at play with that. I think the first one is yes. I think as somebody who has ADHD, how many people with ADHD have been all in on a hobby before, right? Like you have become, you are going to be the next world knitter and you have all of the things, right? To be like the best crochet knitter in the world, all the yarns, all the little tools, all the, they might, I mean, apply it to any little hobby, right? And you're all in. And then eventually that dopamine that had just gotten you sucked into whatever activity or hobby you had invested in, right, just goes. And now that stuff sits in a bag in a closet, right, until somebody finally brings it up one day and you're like, yes, I'm all in again. And then it fizzles. (laughs) And I think we subconsciously know that about ourselves. And I think at least for me, there is a constant fear that at what point will this become a hobby? And not that my job is a hobby, it's not, but like the ideas that I have, right? Because I feel like oftentimes with ADHD too, we have amazing like game-changing ideas, but the execution of it sometimes doesn't happen. And then the moment or the opportunities pass because we had the idea and it kind of comes back to the training materials that I'm creating, right? Like, I think I have a really great training and I really think that, you know, I've, it's halfway done, but at what point does my dopamine fizzle out and then I don't get back to it and then I'm just like, oh, forget it. And I go focus on something else in my business. And I think it's a fear that I have. And that's why I'm constantly every day looking for what one foot can I put in front of the other so that I'm at least keeping my my momentum in a forward motion, because that is my biggest fear is that I'll just all of a sudden drop it and maybe not even realize that I dropped it until a month or two months go by. And I go, man, I haven't paid attention to this or I, you know, I've lost my momentum or my desire or I've moved on from it. And I think that's a fear that I have as an entrepreneur that 
you have to have this like level of like constantly feeling like I got this, I got this. And there's moments that creep in where you're like, I don't think I got this or I'm really yeah, nervous. Like, right. And, and it's really, but you're like, I made a huge mistake. It's so funny. It's like the highest of highs and the lowest of lows, especially if you deal with anxiety at all, which a lot of people who are neurodiverse do. And like, there are days where I'm like, I am king of the mountain. I have got this. I am going to be an all-star. People are going to know my name. Like I'm going to be a social, like CNN is going to be calling me up and MSNBC. Like I've got this. And there are days that are like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Why am I kidding myself? Like, what did I think? Why did I think I could do this? And, and it's crazy how it's like a constant roller coaster of that as well, too. And it's frustrating. But the second part of it, too, and and I'm not excluding anybody from this. You know, there are I know there are men out there who are like all in on the home care and everything. So this is not an exclusion. But I feel like as women, we oftentimes too have this like where, especially if you're a mom and you have children and you're trying to be an entrepreneur, there's a lot of mom guilt that kicks in that like is my time that I'm trying to invest into my business and something that I'm trying to do to better myself. But then like, I, I have to admit, I'm a wonderful, supportive husband who's like constantly taking my kids to their sports practices and everything. And I'm so grateful that he does that for me. But then on the other hand, I'm like, am I a horrible mother that I am not the person who is doing this, that I had to rely on my husband to do this, that I'm just so tired when I finally am done working for the day and my kids ask me to do stuff. And I'm just like, okay, what do you need me? To, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like there's a lot of guilt that comes in as female entrepreneurs too. again, not excluding anybody. I don't know what your life situation is. You go, you rock. But at least from my point of view as a female mom entrepreneur, it's really hard because I deal with a lot of mom guilt on a regular basis too. And that sometimes kills my drive as well. Yeah, I definitely get that. Feel that. <laughs> the mom thing's real and the kids make you feel it. Oh yeah. Like, I think the kids like, they are you working off. today? Are you yeah. still working? When like are you going to be always done? Always working. Yeah. yeah, you're always working. Yeah, I get all of those, and you feel awful. But I'm also like, did you enjoy going to Disneyland? <laughs> you know, I say that, and my husband is always like, you know, we you got to be, we got to be careful how much we talk about money. I have a very different mindset about that. I have grown up. I've had a poor life growing up and I've had a not poor life growing up. I had both experienced both and I have no problem talking about money. I will talk about money with anybody, with everybody. It is not one of those like, Oh, we don't talk about that thing. But you know, when my, when my kids say, Oh, do you, you know, something about you working or my husband working, my husband owns his own business too. You know, we say, well, this is, this is what, we do so that we can have our boat at the lake. This is what we do. So we can go to the beach once a, once a year. And, you know, I'm always thinking of the psychology of it, but I do think that there's some advantage to letting them know that, you know, it's, you do have to work to get these things. They don't just produce themselves because I don't, you know, want them to grow up and just think, oh, every kid gets to go to the beach, you know, once a year for a week because they don't. This younger generation does not like, they think money is just like, they literally think it just grows on trees. They have no realistic comprehension of how money comes about. They're like, oh, we'll just go buy it. And I'm like, no, that's not how that works. Even my, it, it's funny because like, I mean, she was younger, but she would be like, just put it on your card thing. Your card because thing. they think that there's just always money on your bank card, you know? So like in entrepreneurship, there's not always money on your bank card. Uh, you guys yeah. go with ramen? Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, but 
I agree. I think that money needs to be talked about with this generation because they're not taught. It's not taught. They don't understand it. They just really just think it's just there and that they I should think, make a lot of it. I think it's a generational thing a little bit. I feel like, you know, ever since the Great Depression, there's been this like lack mindset of money. And I have heard the psychology behind, you know, if you grew up with this lack mindset, then you don't have a healthy relationship with money. And then, you you know, and, and it creates other issues. But I agree with you both in the sense that, but I do think we have to talk about it to some degree, be, even, you know, even to just establish a healthy relationship with money, because I think children do need to realize that there's not just this like endless supply if you get whatever you want, like the things that you were enjoying are because there are people in your life who are working hard. And I know it's upsetting that you don't get to spend as much time because trust me, I would like to spend more time with you too, but you seem to really enjoy these trips and these different things that we go on and they're not going to just happen. So you need to understand like the reason why I'm working is not because I'm not trying to spend time with you, but I'm trying to make it so that you can enjoy some of the things that you're getting to enjoy. And and I don't know what the right answer there is, but I definitely agree that there needs to be a, a conversation so that there is at least a healthy mindset or understanding that you have to have a work mentality to some degree. Now, I'm hoping because I work with a lot of young kids and they all hate the idea of a nine to five and they're like, like they're just completely disgusted by it. And I'm like, I support you, your generation, lead the movement and create whatever it is that isn't a nine to five as long as I'm getting paid. So you figure out what that is and I, I will stand behind you. But somehow the world has to keep moving and going on. And I do feel like, do you guys feel like you're experiencing this at all? I feel like ever since the pandemic, you know, everybody looks down upon work to some degree. And yeah. so even at like restaurants or like your local pharmacy, there's like nobody works anymore. So there's like no service or no, there's weird closing hours now at different places because they just don't yeah, have They like close people. for two random hours during the yeah. day because yeah. there's no one to cover that shift. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it's not just happening. Well, corporations are feeling it hard too. They're offering, I mean, and the amount of money that people are being offered to work now, like growing up like if i got a job that was like eight dollars an hour it's like ooh, score you know and now it's dollars like, an hour that was minimum when i was in high school and i had a high school job that was it was five dollars an hour and that was like yeah like making buku bank if you got yeah. the five dollars like, an hour i went to serving because i was like i'll take the 213 an hour because i know i'll make so much money in tips and tips yep but now um, like the kids don't want to they don't want to serve they don't want to bartend they don't want to do anything they're like no thanks but i'm putting a lot of it on the education because a lot of these kids come out of college thinking they're going to be the ceo of a corporation that's been running for 50 years yeah, and they they're going to make six figures yeah, they don't have this mindset of like working up the ladder. Like, I yeah. feel like our generation was like the last generation that realized that you are going to come out. And I'm not saying this is right or wrong. I just feel like this was the mindset that we had that you're going to come out and somebody's going to be really shitty and knock you down a few pegs at your job. <laughs> and like, you're not going to be made to feel like you're this all star person by any means. And then you are going to slowly spend the next 20. 20 years, just like walking yourself up a ladder. Right. And that's how it was. But you're right. Like, I feel like a lot of kids I talk to now just assume like I am hot and I'm going to come out and I'm going to be the president and I'm going to be the CEO. But I do wonder, and I'm going to get really dorky on you guys for a second. And I'm going to bring it back to like a topic I talk about all the time as a neurodiverse teacher is how much of this is stuff that we have done as parents in the okay. sense that I feel like it comes from a good place, right? I feel like for whatever reason, Gen X, elder millennials, we all remember these like yucky feelings that we had as kids, you know, like the feelings of being made fun of at school 
or feeling disappointment or not, you know, getting that first place trophy. And we remember those yucky feelings. And for whatever reason, from a place of love, and I do think it came from a place of love, we wanted to prevent our children from having to feel these yucky feelings. Because when your children hurt, you hurt and you want to stop the pain for everybody. So it's like, let's just protect our kids. And we came up with like 11th place ribbons for everybody and like all these different things. And then I think it was meant to be like, I don't want you to have this yucky feeling, but honestly, from what I am personally seeing, and I, I am on the forefront of this, I'm actually seeing it as a huge detriment mm-hmm. to kids because they have no perseverance and no resiliency skills. And they just expect that I am just entitled to these things because it's always been provided to me. And when I come across something I don't like, I don't have to do it. Because mom, and not only do I not have to do it, I'm going to voice my opinion on it and everyone is going to listen to my opinion yeah. and the other opinions don't matter. I mean, I think it's done like a detriment to like the kids, like, so like honor roll and stuff like that. It used to be like, oh, I made the principal's list or whatever. They don't do it anymore because it hurt the feelings of those that weren't making the grades. Well, then make the grades and then you get on it. Like that was kind of like the drive to make the grades. And right. now, now here you came to school 13 days this year. Here's your letter. Like, I mean... I just, I feel like we've kind of let it slide a little too long. And now we're, now we're in the situation. No, I These agree. These kids are around the country. And I think it definitely started from a place of love. Like I just, I remember these horrible feelings. I don't want my kids to feel these horrible feelings. So I definitely think it started from a place of love. It's like an experiment. And now that we know the outcome of the experiment, we got to switch stuff up because these kids <laughs> now no longer have any perseverance or no resiliency. And this is the kind of stuff that unfortunately is leading kids to suicidal ideations and different things like that, because they're getting to college and they're finally realizing I'm not this hot stunner that I thought I was, and I don't know how to cope with it. Or I'm breaking up with my boyfriend or girlfriend, and I have no resiliency or coping or perseverance skills to go along with this. And now it's the end of the world. And I get it. Breakups suck, but they're not the end of the world, especially in college. Yeah. 17, 18 years old. No, I agree. I did want to take it back to something and I was yeah, like sorry. the um where you were talking about like the highs and the lows how accurate that that is in regards to like one day you're like oh yeah I've got this like no one's gonna be able to touch me everyone's gonna know my name and then the next day you're like oh my god should I go get a real a real job because yeah. you know like everybody I always hate when we call it that I hate when we call it that I correct myself yeah I, well I correct my agents too so like yeah I can't stand it when people look at entrepreneurs and like maybe you should get a real job oh well I work 24 7 so I felt like it was a real job but you're right I should probably go back to a real job you know like in those lows you think like oh my gosh maybe they're right maybe I should just go back and work for corporate and just call it a, I need stability blah 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 yeah. so like my question to you is like when you get in those lower spots how do you overcome it in regards to like mindset and switching it back when I get I try to then remind myself of the positives or the good experiences that I've had like what are the wins that I have had so far or I don't know why I'm like an internal optimist like I'm always waiting tomorrow is going to be the day that I win the lottery type of mentality I think I have to play in order to win but I mean that's the kind of mentality that I have that I don't know what tomorrow could bring and it could be really really exciting like that could be that random phone call or that random email out of the blue that just makes me and I'll, and I'll give you an example it's a really sad example but it makes me laugh I had a, a journal reach out to me and they want me to write an article for them and it was because somebody read my dissertation which I was like what somebody read my dissertation who wasn't trying to put themselves to sleep 
<laughs> what? So like, I'm always feel like I'm looking for like, you never know when that could happen. And that excites me. And that's kind of like when I'm feeling down, I'm like, tomorrow could be the day that I get a phone call or tomorrow could be the day that I get that email. That's like the game changer. I feel like in life, I call them moments. And sometimes we have moments, right? That really, really stink. Those are the moments where you get that phone call. And it was like, it feels like your world is unraveling. And it happened all in a moment, right? If you think about before I got the phone call, I'm living my life. Next thing I know, this this death has happened or this tragedy has happened and my life just starts unraveling. But I also feel like in life, you can have moments that are the complete opposite, right? It's that game changer phone call or that game changer email or that game changer opportunity that just comes out of the blue. And I feel like those exist and I'm waiting for, I'm constantly waiting for that. So when I get into those moments of just feeling like, what the hell did I get myself into and why am I doing this? I, I try to remind myself at any moment I could have a moment and that's what I hold on to. And I'm waiting. I'm, I'm still waiting for like that massive moment, but I feel like I get to have moments like being on the blocks was a moment. It felt great. I got to meet amazing people. It, it you know, I, I learned a lot about myself and what I was actually capable of what versus what I thought I was capable of going into it. And so I feel like that is a lot of what I try to remind myself when I have those down moments. But I also think it's important to know that those down moments are normal and you're not alone. If you're an entrepreneur and you're going through this, like we all feel them. I think every single one of us feels them. I think it would be crazy not to feel them. And I think if anything, it's a reminder that you're passionate, that you want to be successful, that you're working towards success. And I think those moments are just kind of yourself reminding yourself that, yeah, I really do want this or I wouldn't care. And if I didn't care, I wouldn't be feeling the way that I feel right now. Yeah. I love that. Something you said that I, I was going to mention earlier when you were talking and I forgot about it, but you just said it. I was telling, I think I was telling Nicole this the other day that I never classified myself as an adrenaline junkie, right? Like I am not a roller coaster rider. I have no desire to jump out of an airplane. I am not the person to do crazy stuff. Like I'm, I'm a pretty like safe person. Right. And then after doing the blocks and some conversations with other entrepreneurs, I was like, oh my gosh, I am an adrenaline. I'm waiting for that next rush. And it's yeah. like you just said, that next call, that next crazy business opportunity that you mm-hmm. didn't think was coming. And that is, you're just constantly pursuing that nervous stomach feeling of what's coming next. Or, and even if you achieve what's next, what do we do? We create another bigger goal, right? <laughs> like we, right. We're, we're, we're never just like, oh, you know what? That's all I wanted to do with my business. I'm content. Now. I'm done now. <laughs> I don't think we, anybody, any of us could ever get to that point where like, yeah, I got it. Like, yeah, I'm good. I don't need to do any more. I'm totally where I want to be. And I think some of it is that ADHD aspect, yeah. right? I mean, I, I pretty much after spending time with 60 entrepreneurs, pretty sure every single one of them is neurodiverse to some degree. Yes. Every single one, or at least has a neurodiverse spouse is what I have come up with. Um, And so I think some of it is we are constantly seeking that dopamine, right? That is what we're going after because that is that feeling that like, yes, or I'm excited or I need this or I'm going to go after it. And then if we even achieve what we set out to achieve, that's why we're constantly setting the next goal is because we're seeking more and more dopamine. But I think that's ultimately what makes you a good entrepreneur too. So talk about neurodiversity being a really positive thing. That's what makes you a good entrepreneur because you're constantly going, what can I do to get to the next level? What can I do to make this special? How can I expand upon this? You're never 
satisfied with the status quo. And I could see people being like, well, that's the issue. You're never, never satisfied, but I don't look at it in a negative. I look at it like, what can I keep changing? How can I keep changing things? How can I keep moving things forward? Like how can we keep growing what we're doing? Yeah. Okay. It's time. It's time for the question. The question. All right. I'm ready. Okay. What is the one piece of advice that you would give to future entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs that are just getting started? My advice is take the leap of faith. I feel like that is the hardest part. When I first decided I was going to leave the classroom and I was going to start this business, I was looking for every safety net that I could possibly have. And I'm not saying like, put yourself in some crazy situation that you're going to hurt yourself or your family or anything like that. But I, I felt like no opportunities were coming my way when I first started out. And the moment I took the leap of faith, it was like, everything started more opportunities. I had to start weeding through it and figuring out, okay, now what path do I take? I, I, I didn't see all these paths coming. And so take the leap of faith, pursue your dreams. Don't let anybody say that it's not worth it or it's crazy after meeting some of the people that we have with the different businesses that they have, I'm like, there's a business literally for everything. So if you have a crazy dream, pursue it. You never know what people are going to be into or love. And if you're passionate, your passion will come through. So I think it's take that leap of faith and know that those highs and those lows are going to come. And it's normal when those lows come and try to just focus on what is that next moment capture that next moment. What is that next moment going to be? Cause you never know. It could be that day. It could be a week from now, but just the excitement of that next moment coming can be enough to drive you forward. Kristen, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, we definitely learned a lot. I, uh, I can't wait to see what you do with your business. Like I said, we fully support you. Like we loved it. Every time you got it and talked, we're like, Oh yeah. It's like, we learned something new every single time. So we really appreciate you coming on uh, for those listening, please make sure to leave a review and let us know what you think of the show. And also if there's any questions that we're not asking that you guys are interested and want us to ask our future guests, please make sure to put those as well. And we appreciate y'all tuning in. Andrea, what you got? <laughs> Kristen, Kristen, just for the people who don't read show notes or read the description <laughs> under the video, where can everyone find you online yeah, sorry, um, in life? <laughs> no, absolutely. So my website is www.theneurodiverseteacher.com or I'm on social media at the.neurodiverse.teacher. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Guys. Thank you.